0: good morning jamie another episode it's springtime for real this time yeah i think we hit our first uh consecutive set of days in 80 degree plus temperatures i'm getting ready to uh head down south for a conference later today I was uh, forewarned to ensure that for any downtime I have to have a pair of shorts because it's going to be 90. Yeah. Not looking forward to 90. Uh, (laughs) I I don't ever look forward to it, but especially outside of the month of July and first half of August, I don't want any part of 90. But I I will, I guess, get that down uh, in Atlanta uh, in the next few days. So uh, rainy season, so that's definitely spring. Um, I love it, but it's I that. think what we're starting to see is the transition between spring and summer. And boy, did I cheesily um, drop in that segue to talk about what we'll be discussing today: transitions. Very good. Man, Man that you, was over. You was top. holding.
1: You were holding that in, weren't you? That was like. He was like, "Oh, how how can I figure that? out? How can I figure this out?" Like. That's perfect. It definitely you know, does. That's feel the like thing strange. is, I
0: didn't hold that in. You know, we don't script out enough. <laughs> We don't script deeply enough to to figure out how we transition. Um, We don't script at all. (laughs) So, um, but I think it was, I think it's a a good natural fit. It was. Albeit a a bit cheesy. In some of our work uh, with clients, you know, we don't always, um, you know, our, our guests for the show, we don't bring on clients regularly we bring on other folks people we know some some are clients some former clients some people we've met never worked with but just have great stories and um we were fortunate enough to to help a client get live with their crm uh, this past winter um and through that process they hired a new um person to oversee that that crm um which is slate uh crm uh and um well, Pete, uh, why don't I just pause and say we have Pete uh, joining us. Pete Lung, right, uh, from University of Toronto. Uh, Pete is the uh, manager of student systems, primarily being their CRM, Slate CRM. Uh, and Pete, you, you you had some pretty big transitions um, over this past year uh, because you didn't just join a new team, um, help adopt, helped a, a large group adopt a new CRM, but you also uh, relocated, not just between different regions of a country, you, you changed countries, you, you relocated and moved from uh, Connecticut uh, up to Toronto. Uh, so, you know, I'm really interested to hear about your experience. Uh, and I'm hopeful that we can talk a little bit today uh, about, you know, what, advice you might have for others that may be looking to move i mean we're still in this period of the great resignation people are changing jobs and as people are looking to consider other opportunities you know what should be on their mind especially when we think about um, where you were uh, in your former role with your crm specifically where toronto is in your new role with their crm you know what what can um, what value and advice can we share with others out there so so pete good morning. Welcome to C R Improv. Why don't you say hi to everyone?
2: Good morning, hello everyone. Uh, thanks <laughs> for having me.
0: Um, so, uh, look, this is unscripted. Jamie, you know that. I know that. Pete, you're learning that. So, feel so, free to say, "Hey, that's not a good question. I'd rather you ask this." <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> uh, so, but i, I first. I guess my 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 first question is, what made you want to relocate or what made you want to kind of move out? Um, you know, what was most exciting as you considered a change in positions, you know, what, what was that driving motivator for you?
2: Yeah. Um, I had recently gotten married and, um, knew that I wanted to be with my husband. Um, and so it wasn't really an act. It wasn't a strongly active search. Uh, it was just a desire to to be together either in the States or in Canada. Um, and so, I was looking for positions that had Slate. And I knew I wanted to continue working with Slate. I really liked the opportunities, the challenges, the, uh, the system itself. And so um, that was my main criteria. Uh, and I was browsing the Slate um, job postings uh, as well as higher jobs and just looking for whatever came across that might've been fully remote. So I guess I do fall into the great resignation kind of category. Uh, I was really looking for Full remote for that flexibility between both countries uh so i didn't have to completely relocate and i was really fortunate to find a position at university of toronto i even was subscribed to their their job postings and somehow this didn't come across my my desk so luckily for slate job postings that was a, a great resource um, there was a, they posted it there and that's where i saw it and um so for me, it really has been wanting to just relocate with my partner, and um, the goal was either for him to find a job and come to the states, as I mentioned, um, and so this ended up happening. And it was 15 minutes away from where we live. Um, and so I guess for that, uh, I would I would suggest just trying to follow your heart. If your position, if you find an opportunity that really matches um, what what you need out of your professional. Career or your your personal life. Um, obviously, compensation is a is a big thing there for some. Um, but I was really excited for a position that's going to continue to allow me to grow, and it's not fully remote. Um, and but there is like hybrid options, and the ability to be together was something I was willing to um, have some some uh, changes in my goal.
0: Hey, I know you're deeply engaged with this conversation, but we're going to pause just for a moment for an important word. From our sponsors.
3: This episode is brought to you by our friends at Unibuddy. Unibuddy is a student engagement platform that helps higher education recruitment, marketing, and admissions professionals attract, engage, and convert prospective students. Unibuddy helps students make one of the most important purchasing decisions of their entire life, and that decision is where to go to college. One of the ways they do this is by giving prospects real time access to real people at your university. Here's how it works. A prospective student named Sam stumbles upon your school's business major website page, and he starts reading about your program offering. After a few seconds, a warm pop-up form invites Sam to chat with student ambassador Dan, who, you guessed it, is currently studying business at your university. After some quick niceties, Sam admits he's been looking at your school for some time now, but has yet to submit a formal inquiry or start an application. He's been to a couple of virtual recruitment events, but it's been hard to get a real feel for what life as a student especially during these times, is actually like. Dan talks about his love of the entrepreneurship course he's taking, how challenging but rewarding Accounting 101 is, and how impressed he's been with your school's response to the challenges that COVID has thrown everyone's way. After 15 minutes of chatting with Dan, Sam books a chat with one of your admissions counselors for next week, and then he goes on to create an application account. This experience is so much more powerful than a static chat window or a scripted chatbot. Unibuddy empowers people to make better decisions through shared human experience. Oh, and by the way, this peer-to-peer engagement platform, it's just one of Unibuddy's product offerings. Wait until you see their virtual events platform. It's totally game-changing. Don't get stuck in a prospective student's college shopping cart. Make the experience of accessing personalized, peer-to-peer feedback as frictionless as possible. To learn more about Unibuddy and access a plethora of free resources to help you navigate student recruitment this year, head on over to enrollify.org forward slash Unibuddy. And we'll ping you directly to Unibuddy's learning hub.
0: At 15 minutes from home doesn't hurt. If you can't be yeah. fully remote, maintaining a, a small commute um, is, is helpful. I, I couldn't imagine you know, getting back to a, well, I've never had to live it but you know five days a week hour plus long commutes uh you know 15 yeah having a hybrid option and only having 15 minute commutes when you do have to go in—that's that's um there's some benefit and value there so in terms of stress and toll on your life uh, absolutely yeah
2: and it's the first time living in a a city which i can walk so that's 15 minutes walking and it's like obviously feels really good health Mm -hmm. health wise to being in those steps in and go back and forth, get some sun and and do that commute. So um, yeah, I'm really fortunate for that.
0: I'm going to guess it's not 80 degrees there yet.
2: (laughs) Uh, So maybe I'm in Celsius these days. Oh, that's right. um, (laughs) I have (laughs) made the transition in even metrics. uh, But but yes, it's um, closer to 70. Um, I think yesterday was around 14, so a little bit above 50. Um, the next transition for me is miles to kilometers Uh, I certainly know a 5k but once we get above that uh, I'm like talking to people in miles per minute or sorry um, per hour yes thank you there you go (laughs) miles per hour and uh, so got to make that transition as well
0: units of measurement the the the, that was not even on my mind. As potential I know, of the like think about all here the, there's, there's so about many
1: that. little things, you know, the little things you have to do to like to make that that adaptation to a different culture. Uh, and in this case, you know, a, a different nationally ascribed system. That's very oh, man. The learning curve, Pete, is massive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, also think about going to the store and looking at kilograms, grams and trying yeah. to like how many ounces, pounds is that? Kilograms is obviously easy, but um, when they when they do per kilogram, it's kind of it throws off my per pound mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's talk a little bit about you know the scenario when you you landed into the new role and you and you began. Um, actually, let's back up before we get it. Tell us about where in your former institution where were you in your life cycle of of the usage of Slate. How long had you been using Slate? How, you know, how long had you been there in that role? You know, were you there when they implemented Slate? Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that experience.
2: Yeah, um, I had uh, I had started the role around the time that they had signed the contract for Slate. Um, and we're looking to have someone also kind of be this, like their their main role. There was an opening still for this kind of position that would do that with, we had, they had X before that. Um and so um, moved into that role and um, got to really be there from the beginning, laying the foundation, going through all the trainings, learning lab, and um, figuring out how to connect these to our SIS, uh, figuring out what systems we would use to make that happen. So um, I, was, I was in that role for a little over a year and, and being able to kind of go from A to Z on uh, at least the implementation there, another, another transition. Um, well done, well done. Um, and so, I, I wouldn't say we actually got to Z. We probably got more to G or something. But um, lots of lots of uh, important foundational pieces of slate and this, the data int- uh, integration. I got to learn a lot in a year. It was definitely a similar feeling of starting at a new institution where it's kind of uh, drinking from the fire hose, uh, where there's a lot of new information being given to you, your, your, the learning curve is steep. Uh, pre- previous to that, I was um, an academic advisor um, and then worked in the system side of transfer credits. And so the, the transition to managing a CRM and the data integration was, was big. And so, um, but I, I really enjoyed those challenges and opportunities that came with it. And, and that was great for me to know that I still wanted to work with Slate and still wanted to grow in, in, in that CRM.
1: So I can imagine that that transition from academic advising to kind of being a systems administrator, that was also one of those follow your heart moments. I'm kind of curious about like the, the draw to kind of be involved more on the data side, data technology side, as opposed to probably I'm, I'm assuming the advising process was much more kind of like, you know, um, of a personal experience, or there was a, the components of that. Obviously, working with the the system as well. But like, talk us through like what that was like, and 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 kind of what pulled you, like, what captured your heart about Slate that you said I'm going to move to Canada to continue working in it.
2: Um, you're right for for the advising piece and working with transfer students, transfer credits. Um, I got to experience more with Banner. Um, and putting those credits and managing them and using EAB's um, product. Um, Navigate. Thank you. SSC Campus Navigate, all the different names <laughs> it's gone through. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so really just enjoying those systems, the, the power behind it. Um, I went for my doctorate in educational leadership and policy studies and uh, had to learn how to do relational databases to be able to get at my data and so it was a steep learning curve there as well that i ended up really enjoying and and kind of feeling like my direction was going to be institutional research at that point uh, after having done a dissertation and after um, really learning maybe up to intermediate for database um, management and so that that interest in, in kind of moving into a role like this was was there and i thought it would be a great uh launching pad to go into institutional research and pulling reports and, and, and wielding data for, um, enrollment opportunities. And so all of that really, uh, I think fit well to a CRM that can do amazing campaigns, trip campaigns, outreach, putting all that prospective data in there and, and figuring out how to connect to students, increase the enrollment numbers and, and pull that data. And, uh, and then the SIS integration piece was a bit of a nerd moment, like working with uh, a company to, to make that integrate properly and the testing that went into it. So all of this also was quite um, a different usage of, of my brain, I, I think is also what you're highlighting there is like hmm. having those relational conversations sure. with people and kind of more of the structural transfer credit um, assessment is very different than all that goes into the testing that we do in, in um, trying to get that final product accurate. What would you say would be the
0: top one or two keys to success, you know, given your first experience implementing Slate?
2: I think resiliency was really the key for for both my experiences so far is the idea that you have a lot to learn. Um, It's it's continually changing and growing and lots of opportunities for you to, Watch other uh, like um, tutorials or, or different uh, resources that are out there. So I think um, when when you make a mistake, maybe in a rule that you set up in the system, or um, you you tell a user this is exactly how like you you can do that, and then they come back and tell you that it actually didn't work the way you expected. Um, I think it it is always a learning opportunity to figure out how to do that differently, um, or to like really improve improve your processes. Uh, and I think without resiliency. It could, be, it could be a bit crushing if, if you weren't willing to continue to grow and, and find these new ways. The second thing I think is that I think uh, there's a lot of customization that can happen with the CRMs and, and Slate in particular. Um, I think the challenge is that um, it's, it's kind of a one-size-fits-all scenario. And so there's going to be stakeholders that want these different builds and, and requests and um, I think we get lots of enhancement requests that tend to be at the global level of, of Slate, and not so much the things that I can change directly or can can make as make directly happen. And I think uh, it's important to kind of know where where you can like customize, and then where where your limitations are.
0: When you say global, do you mean change requests that have impact across all users at the university, or global in a sense that you're trying to change Slate in itself,
2: yeah. More more slate itself. I think okay. so. Like a request might be the re- reference. References have a deadline uh, where they expire uh, when, so people can't fill it out. I think I saw recently slate has that on their their list that they're they're putting out there, and you probably know whether or not it's actually there currently. But I think um, that's like like those kind of things. Yeah, are, are challenging when it's like yeah, that's a great idea. Unfortunately, like we can't just you know up a solution for you right now. Got it.
0: So let's, let's pivot and talk a little bit about um, your, your new role. You're in Toronto now. So tell us, tell us, I say this with a, with a little um, the caveat knowing that uh, I'm about to ask you what you walked into and what you walked into is what our team helped deliver, so uh, <laughs>
1: I don't know what you're going to
0: say. So I'm hopeful this is going to be. So
1: e- of- wait, so
0: this is either a humble
1: brag or there's some sort of a condom indictment coming.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, um, yeah. So tell us about why you walked into um, in your new role, and and I guess to give a little bit of context, we were working with your colleagues to help them uh, prepare and implement sleep uh, for the school of graduate studies um, across all graduate programs. University of Toronto. So we're not talking for five or six programs. It's quite a quite a large number. And we were ready to go live at the end of the fall. Started some support. We are going live in the fall. We come in um, from the holiday, return from holidays, ready to do some temporary support. And you joined the university in February. So Mm -hmm. um, it's been designed, um, built, tested, most users trained. Support begun, and so you didn't get as much of an opportunity to really do influence uh, or direct how that implementation goes. You had to have some level of trust walking into a scenario like that. Um, what did you walk into?
2: I, I walked into like a fully functioning system. Um, I think we were working still on some integrations at that, or, or your team really with our with our IT team. We're working on the integration pieces for. Students can then give their response to the offer. And um, I, I think what was really clear was the amount of resources that uh, went into the system. So your, 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 your team was, a lar- was is a large team, in my opinion, for like, uh, that was working on this and, and having integration um, piece coming from also the consulting firm, I think was really helpful. I, I was in awe with what actually it was, um, because ours was so, our, our resources weren't so plentiful, and so mm-hmm. um, seeing what, what your team was able to build was impressive, yeah. so I, I don't know. It's, um, so you're right, There's, there were 80 academic units um, or so that your, your team had to figure out how to get them all into one application, um, and that application is, is serving these units as best as one thing can, one application can. Um, and it's impressive that all those are on one reference form, for instance, that's getting, you know, all the conditional logic and, um, the integration piece is is impressive with the concept that, um, when things go over to the SIS, there's tags coming back to the system, letting it know whether that was successful or not, and then queuing it to, to rerun and such. So, um. I, I, yeah, I think it, it's it's been a it's been a, a great build. Um, your, your team has put in a lot of effort uh, around customizing it as best as possible for Ada units, and um, some of the automations in there um, are really saving some folks' time as well.
0: Well, thank you. I'm 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 wiping sweat off my brow um, <laughs> going into that question. Um, and 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 I guess for a little bit of additional context, uh, we don't have to dive into this. But you know, for the integration, what I particularly found uh, always find to be interesting, maybe is I don't know if that's the best word to use, but when we're, when we're talking integration, um, you know, University of Toronto has a homegrown student information system, uh, and so homegrown systems mm-hmm. provide their own level of complexity when you're trying to integrate. Um, um, and so that was that was a very interesting experience in doing a lot of um, SQL and you know all, all these APIs that had to be developed and a lot of extra work, um, I think, went in behind the scenes to, to set this up to work um, the way it is. So um, we were particularly, particularly happy and, and proud of that project.
3: Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify podcast network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at Um, But I would, say, let's, let's say,
0: um, for, from your perspective, you know, as you think about someone that might also walk into an experience like this, and, and sometimes an institution may have had outside help. Sometimes you're coming into a scenario where someone else helped lead that effort that moved elsewhere. We've seen, we've walked into scenarios where uh, an admin helped lead an implementation who's no longer there, who kind of got them into a bit of a corner and in a place that they shouldn't have been. Uh, so I guess the the my question is, you know, what advice you know as you're as you're potentially. Um, looking to move, not necessarily walking in the front door on day one to experiences. What what advice might you have to someone as you're, um, as they may be walk looking at what scenario they're walking into? How how what questions maybe you didn't ask these ahead of time, but now that you've been doing this for three or four months, you know what questions might you want to ask to help understand where an institution is in their implementation and how successful that may or may not be going when you're looking to to move into a new role like that.
2: Yeah, I think you, you highlighted one of them, which is, is probably asking, like, what that, what that timeline has looked like, what, what stage they're in, um, and uh, what kind of, I think, what kind of resources are going towards this. Um, I, I was really excited that there's a team of, of folks supporting systems uh, at the university, and it can be really overwhelming if, if that team isn't large enough or that there isn't, there isn't a team I think uh, what was nice about this situation is that um, the university still had your team on and they were able to really do that knowledge transfer with me and, and talk about the bill, talk about the rationale, talk about the history of it. And I, I do, I, that it, that was a worry of mine going in, um, is the idea that a system could be configured a particular way and um, There could be a ton of queries in a folder that uh, are not in a folder and you're not sure what all those queries are meant for or which one is the the true the true query and so. um, I think along those lines of trying to figure out what kind of documentation exists on 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 the build that that institution has. um, And uh, or if there's someone there that can do the knowledge transfer might help you understand in, in your interviewing process or. Um, if you speak to someone, you'd be able to understand if that's something that you you want to go into. What I think was most, I think the biggest nugget for me in this search was that it's it's that the nature of the work um, is gonna like like follows follows you wherever you go. Like it's not necessarily going to be a grass is greener situation. I think with this this type of work, depending on what it is your what it is you're seeking in your search. Um, if you're seeking like different workload or different um maybe different stakeholders that aren't um asking for as much assistance or what i think whatever it is you're looking for is likely or whatever you're experiencing in those ways are, are likely to be there the workload um that the opportunities for growth and challenge um and so i think uh i think mindset is really important in this type of work and i i we've shared that i've only been in it for about this kind of work directly for two years or so. Um, But I think mindset is really important. Uh, Really loving what is, uh, is a book that I've been going through, which is by Byron Katie. And uh, it really challenges you kind of just to accept things the way they are. Um, And I think this kind of work is going to be always lots of, there's always going to be um, kind of emergency situations, urgent ticket requests. Um, There's going to be plenty of work to be done. Uh, and so it's important that if you feel like you're going to past five o'clock each day, that that could very well be there in another, another work environment. And so it's important to have that mindset like, that I just, there's always gonna be so much work to do and I can't just put in two hours every day because that could be for the next year. Like, so I think, I think really just accepting the complexity of the work that you might see a a ticket come in or a request from someone that you think is going to be 30 minutes turns into four hours and, and um, now your day is a little bit off. So personally, for me, I think that that's, I'm, I'm working on, on building those mindsets and understandings because I think um, no matter what direction I go in, and there's so many opportunities at the university for the future that um, I think it's more important for me to have that built for myself.
1: Yeah. That's huge. I think, you know, like I, I've been uh, as I've been listening and and this is this is the first time you and I have met Pete. But I think one of the things that I am struck by is, you know, how much of maybe the experience that you have gone through in making this transition is really it's not about the work. Like and that's what you're just You know, I think I think sometimes old dudes like like Mickey and myself, I feel like we find ourselves in this yeah. Uh, I, maybe I, I do, I almost have this, like, there's this dream world of what would life be like if, if work was something that maybe had the proper place in my life, right? It, it It was, maybe I'm getting, this might be too deep for, this might be too much information for you since I just met you. It'd be, it's like, it's like sharing with a bartender, right? Like just too much. But I feel like sometimes older generations of people tend to think of work in a different way. And I actually, as I've been thinking about the great resignation and especially thinking about what age brackets of individuals this is maybe impacting the most, and maybe this is stereotypical, but I do think like millennials have a have a much larger propensity to be saying, you know what, screw that. I'm going to go find something to do that I love. Um And this is an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity for people to say, I'm not finding the fulfillment that I thought I was going to find. I don't have the right kind of brackets around my work-life balance that I feel like I need. I need to make a switch in order to find that greener grass. But I think you're taking it to a, a very healthy level and understanding like, it's not necessarily about the other opportunity. It's actually about how you choose to put those, you know, those brackets around your own life and say, here's work. And when that's all over, you know, I've got to, I've got to live with myself. Um, uh and so I think that the, there's a very interesting, like, you know, fascinating, and, and we could go into like all sorts of things relative to the pandemic when it comes to this, because I do think that the pandemic has highlighted in many ways, a finiteness to life, right? Like, there's this moment like, whoa, like this, this is very different than I expected it to be. And as a result of that, you know, shaken perspective, I need to realign myself, I need to realign my living. And part of that is making sure that I don't have regrets. Right. That I'm gonna, you know, like you, you mentioned at the the top of the show, and, and I wanted to hit on this, like really that, that concept of just following your heart, and like being true to like what's what the heartbeat is that that's you know beating inside you i think that's so profound and critical and <laughs> in some ways <laughs> so anti-american like so anti-american you know to be like you know to go kind of counter to the american dream like you know it's not just like grind it out it's more like understand like hey what's what's healthy and who am i in that in that proper alignment of Of health and life and identity and all that so uh uh air air hand applause here air clap for (laughs) uh for being able to kind of do that hard work because that's that's not easy digging
2: um so uh one one challenge so that the follow the heart um like another transition is the the U S dollar to Canadian conversion. Right. Uh, so there, there was also like the, the challenge of finding salary to meet um, what was, what I was making in the U S. And so I think, I think I know the follow, the heart can seem a little, um, idealistic, but in this case, like I was willing to take a pay cut and and find these new changes. And, um, and, and yeah, I think, um, I, I did expect, um, the grass to be greener in certain ways and, and, and um, realize that it's really just the nature of the work. And um, if I think if one knows that, this, that they want to go in a particular direction for, the, for a good majority of their life, yeah. I think it's helpful to really assess um, what is likely to still be there with you later and whether or not it's how you're looking at it. Uh, if you get an email from someone, it, it really um, kind of puts your mind through a spin and you're frustrated with that person. To like really assess is this like something that's likely to happen anywhere? Someone's gonna have a problem. Someone's maybe not gonna learn quickly as quickly as you'd want them to. Um, and, and you you just I think have to just accept that that email is gonna come in and like all that all that burning out is really not worth it um, because at the end of the day you're gonna to reply to that email and you're gonna do it within a particular time frame that fits your institution's requirement or your own desire. And I think. Um, that, that can also just really tax you uh, if, if you go through those loops. So I appreciate your thoughts.
0: This has been a, a very interesting conversation. I'm always intrigued what what's going on in folks' mind when they're um, making changes like this in, in their lives. And I think the thought you put into it Obviously, there's always some level of risk that you have when you're making a change in a position. You know, depending a lot of that will depend upon um, how deeply you're you're informed on the role you're taking, how much you really care and love the role you're leaving. I've always felt fortunate in in my life. Anytime I've changed positions, I've always left with this question: um, Will I actually love this new job as much as I've loved the one I've had? Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've been fortunate to to actually be able to say yes, every time I've done Mm. that. Um, And, and so I, you know, I, that I keep that that in perspective that everyone doesn't have that same experience. um, So I'm, I'm just grateful to be able to have you share your experience and, and hopefully our listeners are able to pull some, some good nuggets from this. There's a lot that goes into it. You know, there's a lot of positives and negatives we hear from schools and their use of technology. And as you walk in uh, helping one school that's doing well with one and trying to help another institution um do well with theirs um it's a big lift um a lot goes into that and it's not something to take lightly mm-hmm. there's a lot on your shoulders going into that role for the success of that technology for the success of all those users and for your happiness in life professionally yeah. and personally yeah. so um so again just congrats on the role and uh, we're, we're really excited to, to see how you continue to flourish there at Toronto. Jamie, final thoughts? Questions? Yeah, no,
1: not final. I, no final questions. I feel like I'm just kind of struck by the, you know, just like the big moment here, like the big, you know, it's it's the grappling that we're doing as a society on this level. I think is is it's a good thing. I think a lot of you know, there's a lot of employers that are probably scared. I know that you know, I've spent hours and hours in 2022 already interviewing people coming to work at DD agency. Um, and I, you know, as much as I, I hate it, I'm not a big, like I I, I get interviewing is, is tiring and it's, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I am excited that people are kind of digging. I, I hope that most people in this, in this period of time, this is, this is my closing statement. I hope that most people in this period of time are, um, doing the hard work that you're doing, that they're not, like uh, this is one of the, you know, Mickey just said, one of the things that he's always done as I've transitioned from role to role, one of the things I've often asked myself is uh, maybe not ask, challenge myself is make sure you're not running from something, make sure you're running to something. So, and, and constantly, you can ask my wife, I've said that, you know, a a bunch of times, because I want to make sure that what I'm going to, whether it's a, you know a new opportunity you know something that you know offers a bigger you know voice or whatever that that it's that it fits who i am that it's not just about a bigger paycheck that it's not just running away from a, a bad relationship or or a you know an unhealthy environment of work but it's more like this is where i'm running to the next iteration of myself and i think that that's really you know kudos to you for for doing that i don't know what the canadian equivalent of kudos is but uh poutine poutine to you to for doing that or (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but anyway yeah I I think this is great I I love that you're that you've made that switch that you've oh I'm I'm also like grateful that you've shared that you like that you will you were willing to count the cost to do that you know not everyone wants to like not everyone believes that taking a pay cut is is, is a worthwhile thing when you, you get the other you get the other parts of it, and I think that that's 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 pretty important. So thanks for thanks for uh, opening up to us and walking us through your your journey there.
2: Thanks for giving me the opportunity, and uh, I really like what you just shared. The running to and not from, I think um, that really was the case, um, and I hadn't thought of it in that way. Uh, yeah. Running to my partner, running to. Um, even greater challenges and opportunities. Uh, going from a ten thousand school to a forty thousand student school is, is a big jump. And yeah. ten people who can reach out directly to me to two hundred uh, <laughs> certainly <laughs> certainly big uh, big running twos and um, growth opportunities. So and not awesome. feeling like it's going to lead to stagnant stagnation. Maybe if that's the word. But cheers. That's that's another transition. Is the cheers might be the kudos or the uh,
1: yeah
2: and. Uh, <laughs> Salute. that's, uh, that's so, your homework goodbye. pete
1: find the canadian equivalent to kudos today at work ask <laughs> ask the canadians
0: <laughs> all right uh, mickey well this was fun another great uh episode again thank you pete for joining us um as we get ready to uh, I, there's a lot of uh um conversation about being grateful today maybe we should hold this episode to thanksgiving i'm not sure uh, we can and we can drop it in, in october to celebrate both the canadian we'll publish it then the uh the canadian thanksgiving as well as the one here in the united states but uh but again it's just great to, to have you on and join us pete and thank you again for sharing and uh here's to a great kickoff to um to the rest of the summer Uh, I know we're recording this in May. We're always a few weeks ahead of time. So sometime between now and the end of summer, you'll be uh, listening to this episode, (laughs) Uh, but enjoy the summer months and hopefully you get an opportunity to change pace and begin planning and preparing for the next round of of work um, as fall draws near. Thank you all for listening to another episode of CR Improv.
3: Hey i all Zach here from Neurolofy. I hope you enjoyed this episode of CRM Prov. If you liked this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts.